Um, turn your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Second Kings. Second Kings. Um, I believe I might be right or I might be wrong. Uh, if I'm wrong, it's probably the first time since the last time I thought I was wrong. Um, but uh, I believe I preached a message similar to this, or using the same text and some of the same stuff. Um, in 2012, but I really felt that this was the message for tonight, so we're going to go with it. Um, 2 Kings chapter 6, okay? 2 Kings chapter 6. Uh, William Carey, wonderful, wonderful uh, um, story, well worth reading if you've never read it. Um, good to get the overview, as I hope uh, some of you will read uh, their life stories after you get the five-minute snippet. My fear is when you get the five-minute snippet, you tick the box and say, yeah, I know everything about him. Uh, you don't, okay? Uh, let me encourage you to actually go and find out about these uh, ladies and these men and find out the great works that they've done. Uh, one of the things that I want to kind of get across here through the message uh, this evening is that God can use anybody, okay? And, you know, we're going to see God using some men uh, in the story we're going to look at. But God can use anybody. And that one of those anybodies is you, okay? God is looking for individuals that he can use, okay? And, uh, you know, there wasn't many people wanting to sign up at force to go to India from England and go preach the gospel or uh, start any missionary works. The churches back then had some funny ideas. They thought if you just opened the doors of the church, God would flock in lots of people. And there's some churches that still think like that today. Now, the doors of the church have been opened. They were open this morning. We have a good crowd tonight, great crowd this morning. Um, but let me tell you, do people just wander in all the time? Not necessarily. Can they? Absolutely. But you know what the Bible says? We need to go out and compel them to come in, don't we? And uh, people don't just come often. You need to go and reach them. You need to go and deliver the gospel to them. Um so what we're going to look at this evening is we're going to look at a weird story in the Bible. And um, the weirder the story in the Bible, the more I kind of like them. Okay, So that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. When I'm doing a message and when you're reading your Bible, let me encourage you to do something. Use your imagination. So as we read about the story that we're going to read, you need to actually try translate yourself into the pages of Scripture Try see these people, listen to what they're saying, look at the story as if it's happening in front of you. This is a real story. These are real people that lived one day, and uh, and the, the lives that they lived were uh, difficult. Uh, and you know, I just want you to try put yourself in their place. All right. So we're going to start down at verse 24. You know, we are trying to be uh, a people that are used of God, that God can use. We're trying to be a people that are effective in the community and the place where God has us, you know. Um, so that's that's who we're trying to be. Um, but let's look at this story because I believe it, it good parallels to where we are uh, today. Um, verse 24 says this, and It came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, gathered all his hosts and went up and he besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver and a fourth part of a cap of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. And as the king of Israel passed by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, 
Help my Lord, O King. And he said, If the Lord do not help thee, when shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor or out of the wine press? And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give thy son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her the next day, Give thy son, and we may eat him. And she hid her son. And it came to pass, when the king heard the words of the woman, that he rent his clothes, and he passed upon the uh, passed by upon the wall, and the people looked up, and behold, he had sackcloth within upon his flesh. This is a strange story. I did say that at the beginning. I gave you that warning. All right. This is one of these uh, unusual passages in the Bible. You're going to re- you're going to read on, but I just want you to notice everything is really, really bad. I mean, if you lived in this place where they are, if you lived in uh, Samaria where these are living. I mean, things are rough. But they don't stay that way. And they don't stay that way because there was one of the leadership that was in the story, and he was the king. And the king started to get desperate. He started to get serious about the situation they're in. And he cries out to God. He puts on sackcloth upon his flesh. He is broken about the situation that they're in. He is needing things to change. And he goes to the one that can make a difference. You know, we can pray to a whole lot of gods. There's lots of them out there. But there's only one that can answer. And we live in a society that is absolutely broken and in the depths of, you know, I I, I unloaded a whole load of stuff on Tony, so leadership, Tony will definitely need some counselling after I leave. Uh, I've told them some stories that would make your toenails curl today. Um, but you know, um, we live in a society and in a place that is as depraved as what we're reading about today. Things are really, really bad in our communities. Uh, the people that we live around, uh, you know, they are horned people. There's a lot of broken people, you know, all around where we live. And they have hungry hearts. They're missing something in their lives that you should have. So let's read on. Let's skip down to chapter 7, verse 3. Same story, all right? Chapter 7, verse 3. And it says this. It says, And there were four leprous men at the entering of the gate, and they said to one another, Why sit here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, there's a famine in the city, and we shall die there. And we sit here, still here, we die also. Now therefore, come and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And great, great options them uh, lads had. But uh, look at verse 5. And they rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come up to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and noise of horses um, and even the noise of a great host. And they said to one another, Lo, the king of Israel had hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of uh, the Egyptians to come upon us. Verse 7 says, And wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight. 
And they left their tents, their horses, their asses, and even the camp as it was, and they fled for their life. And when these leprous men came to the uttermost part of the camp, and they went into one tent and did eat and drink, and carried hence silver and gold and raiment, and went and hid it, and came again into another tent, uh, and carried tents also, and went in and hid it. Verse 9 is, I suppose, where we're going to stop and end for a minute. And they said to one another, We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. Let me tell you, these leprous men found out something that a lot of churches need to know today. Today is a day of good tidings. This is the age of grace. Free salvation has been offered to all men. No matter where you're from, no matter what your color or education is, you have been offered by the God of heaven salvation. He has paid your sin there on the cross at Calvary and salvation is offered to all. It is a day of good tidings. But sadly, too many of us hold our peace. I said that was going to be a weird story and it is a weird story. But let me go back a little bit and we'll do a review of kind of where we're at with this, uh, with this, uh, these few passages that we're looking at. You know, um, Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, came and basically, you know, you might have seen the, the movie Braveheart or something like that. Well, um, Battles didn't always go that way. A lot of battles back in these days would have been siege battles. So basically, if you were living in a castle or a walled city, um, you wouldn't have the other army coming with ladders and running and trying to scale over your, your wall. Now, at times they might have done that, but most of the time what they would do is they would surround your city, they would cut you off from any supplies coming in, they would have supply, uh, a supply train coming into them all the time for fresh supplies for the army. And they would basically poison your water source if they could. And if they could, they had you beat. There's only so long a city can last without water. So what they would do is they would put rotten animals uh, in the water source and corrupt the water source so you couldn't drink it. And this is what they done in, in this city. And they had the place surrounded now the, the Israelites in the in Samaria they were they were basically okay. I mean when they were safe in the city, but supplies were running out. Things started to get bad. You know they started to get a smell off the water. People started to get sick when they were drinking the water. You know they couldn't drink the water anymore. You know uh, when the army was coming, they had plenty of supplies at the beginning, but. You know what it's like if you're trying to feed a whole city of people with just rations and supplies, they will quickly go and you can't grow stuff inside the city walls. Uh, You know something needs to change. You're in trouble. Now, I've been on Skid Row before. If you've been in New Hope, you know I've eaten out of a skip before and stuff like that, okay? It's not advised, okay? (laughs) Uh, So, not, not one of my best days. But I've never been that bad that I've been doing what these guys are doing. I mean, these guys are doing crazy things. I mean, when, when I read about what they're eating, you know, I just think, man, they are, they are going crazy here. I mean, these guys are hungry enough that they're eating, you know, an ass's head. Now, I don't know whether you come from a place where you eat ass's head on a regular basis, 
Well, I don't. There's no way I'm eating any kind of donkey, horse, or anything like it. Especially not his head. You know, that, that's definitely not eating that. But these guys are buying a donkey's head for 80 pieces of silver. Now, back in those days, 80 pieces of silver was a, was a fortune. But it gets worse. It says in the story that a, 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 a quarter cup of dove's dung, that's about a half a pint of dove's dung, was selling for five pieces of silver. So what you had is you had a load of doves, pigeons, all that kind of stuff, doing what they do, flying through the air. They're out there eating. They need to let go. It goes on the walls. You have lads going around with little containers, scraping the stuff off the walls. I don't need to go into it, what it is. And saving it up and selling it. I mean, there's some ways of making money. That's probably not the best way of making money. But these guys are making money from it. You know why? Because people are that hungry that they're willing to eat it. They are starving to death. You know, seeing this city, there's no dogs walking around. No cats. The rats are gone. Mice are gone. You name it, it's been eaten. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's rough. We're laughing about it, but these are real people. This is a real story and this is, this really happened. They are starving to death. Now the thing is, if you try to take your family out and go running, uh, the Syrian army would slaughter you. They would wipe you out. You know, your wife be taken as a slave and the husband would be put to death, I'm sure. Your kids would grow up in slavery. They were terrified to leave the, the safety of the city. But you know what? It got even worse than that. People do crazy things when they get hungry. And somehow two ladies come up with a harebrained idea that they're going to eat their own children. Now, when we read about cannibalism, we kind of put it out of our minds because it's one of those things that you don't like to think about. But the Bible talks about it here, so I think we should talk about it. I want you to think, how desperate are these two mothers that are willing and hungry, that are willing to eat their own children? Now, we've all thought about killing our children at different times, uh, but I'm sure never eating them. No, never been that hungry. But uh, here you have the story, and it's a sad old story. Um, one woman gets deceived. They boil her son, and they eat her son, and then the next day they're meant to boil the next woman's son, and she hides her son. Um, smart deal, I suppose, but she hides her son and, and, and doesn't, doesn't kill him. And then we have the king finding out. And the king is out walking on the walls. And what's he walking on the walls doing? I suppose he's walking through, pure discouraged, not knowing what to do. This famine is ruining his city. The people are dying. There's a smell of death in the air. You know, uh, he knows they can't hold out much longer. He knows the, the consequences if they have to open the city and walk out. And then he hears this story. And as bad as things were on the inside, when he hears this story, it's just that thing that throws him over the edge. And he gets broken. He puts on sackcloth and ashes and he just wants to be broken and he's just you know he doesn't know where else to turn but God hears the burden from this man's heart God hears the heart cry of this man who maybe for the first time got real serious with God you know the Syrians are outside and you know they are looking to to kill everybody that's in that city and here you have this king and he is he is getting serious with God you know, this city has big walls, but the walls are becoming, you know, uh, in a sense, just 
no good to them. They're going to have to open the gates and walk out. It's getting to that place. But then the story goes on to four leprous men. Now you say, well, where were they? Well, if you think of the walled city, if you had leprosy, you were put out of walled city. So these guys were four men of the city. They found out they had leprosy. The, uh, the priest would have put them outside. He would have diagnosed, you have leprosy, you need to go away. Uh, and they put them out at the front door of the city. Um, now, in between the city walls where these lepers were living, they were sleeping there. They weren't able to move from there. And the Syrian army, which was surrounding the city, was called a dead man zone. It means that anybody went in that piece of ground and it was normally long enough that you could shoot an arrow. So if you could shoot an arrow from the top of the city wall down at the Syrian army, the Syrian army would just move back until you could no longer hit them anymore. And they were just going to outweigh you in a sense. So if you stared at the city gates, outside the city, at the city gates, the Syrians can't hit you with anything and uh, and uh, you're not going to be hit from your own people anyway. So you're safe enough there. But they're starving too. Normally, if you had lepers outside of the city, people would bring them food and leave it away from them and they would go eat it. But there's a famine in the city and these leprous men, they know there's nothing they can do. Look at verse 3. You know, and when we're talking about these men, I want you to picture them. And if you've ever seen lepers in your life, they're probably missing ears, noses, some kind of deformity. You know, uh, you know, they're, they're nothing to look at. They're just, you know, ruined or maybe lumps and bumps on their faces and stuff like that. Stuff missing, poles, maybe fingers missing or whatever. You know, they are in bad shape. And it says in verse 3, And there were four leprous men at the entering of the gate. And they said to one another, They're sitting there having a conversation. Death is coming. They can, they can hear the cries from the city. They can see the Syrian army in the distance. And uh, they say, Why sit here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, there's a famine in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. So they don't have good options. They're like, we go back, we're going to die here. Uh, we're also going to die if we go into the famine city. But if we go forward to the Syrians, it says, Now therefore come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. Listen, these men hadn't got good options. They knew they were finished either way. They were going to starve to death, die the leprosy, uh, or they were going to put themselves at the mercy of the Syrian army, who I don't think would have had mercy on them in the first place. They were just four lepers, no good, uh, as my granddad would say, to man or beast. They were just done for. But yet they go through, they're brave enough to make that decision that they're not going to sit here and just rot. They're going to try down the way of the Syrian army, there's no going back into the city. It wouldn't let them back in. Um, so uh, they make their way towards the Syrian army. Now what the king doesn't know, and what the lepers don't know is, God has heard the voice of the king. And look at verse 6. And the Lord made the hosts of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots, the noise of horses, and the noise of a great host. And they said to one another, Lo, the king of Israel hath heard against us, the kings of the Hittites, the kings of the Egyptians, had to come upon us. You know what? They got real paranoid. They heard some noise that God sent and they started panicking that people were, they were all going to get killed and they fled for their lives. You know, they, 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 you know, hit the, hit the ground. They start running. They fled. This whole army of the Syrians, they, they ran off. 
But in running off, the Bible tells us that they left all their food. Now, when an army runs off and leaves all their food, how much food did they leave? Food enough to feed an army, okay? Um, so, it's a lot of food. They left their silver. They left their gold. They left their clothes. They, they left uh, their... Um, they left animals. They just fled. They thought they were just about to be attacked. You know, they, they, they ran off as quick as they could. So, I want you to use your imagination. You have these four lepers who think they're about to get wiped out, think they're about to starve to death, they're about to die, and they make this brave decision that we're going to throw ourselves at the mercy of the Syrian army uh, who are there to kill us, but we're going to throw ourselves at the mercy of them and see what happens. And they are tiptoeing towards the Syrian army because they're expecting, you know, one of the archers just to take out. Any moment they're expecting there, and then one of them drops. That's what they're expecting. So if you're smart, you're letting the other guy go first and you're kind of tying your lace and stuff like that. You know, you're, <laughs> you know, you're doing all that kind of stuff, you know, walking with a sore leg and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So these lepers are, are edging towards the Syrian army uh, camp and nothing happens. They don't get killed. Nobody says anything. So they tiptoe into uh, this Syrian army camp and they think for sure it's a trap. You can imagine if you were them, you going in and you're just waiting to get stabbed. You know, as soon as you pull open the curtain of the tent, you're expecting a, a load of uh, big brutes of Syrian warriors to come and attack you. But they don't. There's nobody there. And they walk into, into a tent and the tent is laid out with food on the tables. And here you have four starving men. You know, and they, you know, absolutely gorge themselves on the food that's prepared that was left for the army. And they think to themselves, this is great. So they're stuffing themselves. They look around, they see gold and all that. They probably pour no money, no nothing like that. So what they decide to do is they decide to stash some stuff off. That's a good idea, I thought. I thought, fair play. So they look around, they get some valuables, they go, they hide them in the forest, they dig a little hole or whatever. They hide some stuff away. They come back. They go into the next tent. They do likewise. You know, they 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 get to the place where they they have loads of stuff stashed off all over the place. And then they sit down and have another one of those heartfelt conversations with one another. And you know, as a church, sometimes it's good to just sit down with a cup of tea and actually talk things through and just say, "How are we doing as a church? What are we doing as a church? How can we improve? What could we do better?" How could we reach out more? And these four leprous men sit down. And look at verse 9 there. I suppose this is the, the one that we're talking about. And they said to one another, We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold their peace. I want you to take the picture and mirror it towards Balancholic for use. You know what? These men who have... Uh, thought they were just about to die, had been shown the mercy of God. God had made provision for them, saved their life, provided for them, gave them bread enough to eat and more besides. They are rich more than they've ever been in their entire lives with the stuff they have hidden off for a later day. And you know what? They've had enough. They've been fed. They've been looked after. They are, they are doing okay. And then they realize, you know what? This is a good day, but we hold our peace. Well, what are they holding their peace about? You see, just down the road, their family and friends, down in Balancholic there, 
You know, they don't know the good tidings that these four leprous men know. Now, the people that those lepers used to walk with, they don't know the good tidings that they now have. You know, just down the road, people are eating donkey's heads. They're eating kids. They're eating doves dung. They're doing all sorts of crazy stuff just to satisfy that hunger that they have inside themselves. You know, they're doing things that just to, to make it through another day. Desperately needing God to work in their lives to save them, but they don't know He's already provided for their salvation already. God's already sent Anoyas to run off the Syrian army. God's already provided enough food to save that, that kingdom, to save that city, to save those people. Provision has already been made by God. But nobody's told them. They haven't heard. They haven't had a messenger go by and go back to the city and say, listen, there's plenty to eat down here. Come and feed because nobody's gone to them. But these four leprous men, they're looking at each other and they're thinking, we need to do something. This isn't good. We're not acting right here. You know, I know those people threw us out of the city and didn't treat us right, but you know what? You know what? They're our family and friends. We owe them. We need to do something about them. We need to do something about this. This is a day of good tidings. This is a day where God has made the difference. He's made a way for our city to be saved, for Balancholic to be saved. We need to do something about this. You know, uh, down in Samaria, they, they're starving to death. You know, the good news of provision that has been made for them hasn't reached them. Many people in Balancholic and the towns around Balancholic haven't heard that provision has been made for their salvation. That they don't know that God has made a way to heaven for them. And who's going to tell them? You see, we're looking for some lepers in the church. You say, well, look, you know what? I, I don't know. I'm not really equipped. Well, who is? These lepers? These lepers go off and get some kind of specialized training to go and give the good news? No, they knew it was a day of good tidings. They knew what God had done in their, their lives. That's all they needed to know. That was their starting place. This is a day where God has made a provision for us. He saved us. You know, we need to go tell other people. We hold our peace. This isn't right. And for the Christian in the room, you know what God's done for you. You know what He saved you from. You know where He saved you to go. It's a day of good tidings. Yet there's a vast amount of people all around us every single day that don't know. And it's a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. You know what? Uh, it w- wasn't. Uh, they knew they weren't doing right. They needed to do something more, and they 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 thought amongst themselves, "What are we gonna do?" Too often, we're more concerned about ourselves and not concerned enough about the people uh, in Balancholic, or not concerned enough about the people in the in the, in the city uh, that's starving to death. Let me encourage you. In Mark chapter six, verse thirty-four, Jesus when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion towards them because they were as sheep have, uh, not having a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. You see, what we need to get is we need to get the idea of, you know what, we have a good shepherd. 
And He always makes provision and He has made provision. And we just need to go and have compassion like He did and compel the people to come in. You know, every Sunday, there's provision made in this church. And when I say provision, I don't mean the great scones and the teas have. I mean from the pulpit. God has prepared a message for the people of Balancholic to come and hear. The doors are open. The entrance fee is cheap. It's that cheap anybody can afford it. It's free. And let me say, you know, you come in every week. God has made a meal for you, prepared something to feed you. You know what? There's many people out there that need that very same meal, but they don't know where the food is. They don't know where to come to get that need satisfied. There are so many people in families out there hurting tonight, uh, people with addiction problems that are hurting tonight, just people sitting in at home tonight with their two cars in front of their driveway, getting ready for the Monday blues tomorrow, thinking to themselves, there has to be more to life than this. They don't even need to have problems with drugs or drinking or broken homes. They still have that need. They still have that hunger inside them. And we need to go tell them. We need to go share with them. We need to find a way to deliver that news to them. You know what? Those four lepers, let me tell you. You know what? They didn't, I'm sure they didn't feel equipped to go share the story. They didn't feel equipped to go tell the news. I'm sure when they got to the gate, they thought to themselves, sure, they're never even going to let us in. Sure, we're four lepers. You know, we can knock on this door all day long. There's nobody going to come out to us. But you know what? People did hear them. You're not responsible for what people do with the information you give. You're only responsible for delivering the information. That's all you're responsible for doing. That's all these lepers were responsible for doing. If the people in that city, when they told them about the food, refused to come out and eat the food, what could the lepers do? Nothing. But you know what? Their hands were clean at that point. But they had to go tell them. You know what? You can't do anything about somebody's response to the gospel, but you sure can't tell them. They are in trouble. You know what? They are in trouble without God. They God is the answer to their their problems. God is the answer to their biggest problem. And provision, the sad thing is, provision has already been made. And they have to do absolutely nothing for it. They have to do nothing for it. They have to accept it and go and partake of it. What do the people in the city uh, have to do with the message that was delivered by uh, the four lepers? Did God knock on the door and say, you know what, I've I whipped them, Syrian army, they're all gone running. Did he? No. Well, who did he send? He sent four lepers. He sent four lepers to tell them the news. It was up to them then to decide what they were going to do with that news. But they needed to accept, in a sense, by faith, what those four lepers were saying and go and taste for themselves and see for themselves. You're only responsible for delivering the message. You know, those lepers said, we do not well, for this day is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. You know what? Jesus died for the sins of the entire world. That the world could be saved, freed from sin, delivered from a destination of hell to the destination of heaven at the total cost 
and uh, he paid himself. In a sense, it's an unbelievable message, isn't it? It's an unbelievable message. It's actually hard to take. And maybe that's sometimes why people don't believe it. Maybe if God complicated it a little bit more and maybe put a charge in there or something like that, you know, that you had to give the missionary a, a few quid and then you could get saved, maybe that would be a good thing. But he didn't. He made a free for all. He made a free for all. It's an unbelievable message. Can you imagine those four lepers strolling down the road, full bellies, the belt open, you know, strolling down, and they're shouting up to the people that, that won't open the door to them at the, at the city walls, the Syrian army are gone. There's food enough to eat. Tell everybody to come. It's an unbelievable message. The Syrian army are gone. Well, why would the Syrian army go? But nobody had taken into account the encounter with God that the king had. Somebody in leadership in that city got really serious about his prayer life and about seeking out, seeking after God. And God changed the situation. But it was an unbelievable message. Hard to believe. Sounded too good to be true. The thing about salvation is, it is true. God has made a way. He made it so easy a child can, can receive. He made it a way so that anybody, no matter who it is, can, can come and be, be saved. You know what? There's a lot of hungry people out there. There's a lot of people that don't know why they're hungry. Do you know that the, this is why the cults have such a, you know, um, a gathering? You know, we have Scientology up in Dublin, okay? All you hear the Scientology? The Church of Scientology. All right. Uh, they are giving out leaflets about drug addiction at the moment, everywhere. They're in all the little shops uh, being promoted by little. I don't think they know that's the Church of Scientology, but that's who's giving them out. They're doing loads of work with that. They're going around Dublin, cleaning up the streets and teams of people, and uh, and then giving out their literature and stuff like that. You know, why do why are people attracted to stuff like that? Even knowing that you know you have to get to a certain level, and then you're told that we're from aliens and stuff like that. And if you'll just pay enough money, you'll find out the truth. See, people will buy into that. You know why? Because they're searching for something. They're searching for something. And maybe the Christians they know either aren't living the way they should live, aren't speaking up the way they should be speaking up, and maybe don't have the power that they really need. Isn't that what we read in Acts this morning? And ye shall receive power. Isn't that often what we're lacking? The power to go along with the message? Let me encourage you. You know what? Seek after God this week. Ask God, is there someone that He could lead you to to give you a word to say to them about the gospel, about coming to church, even an invitation to church? If they don't come, they don't come. You know, uh, you know, it's it's the it's the it's the information that you're just giving out. Uh, don't be offended if somebody says no. You know, maybe they'll say no today, and maybe when they're going through difficulties in their life, God might bring back to their memory, you know what, that person actually said they have answers. You know what, these four leprous men, what a what an example they are to us. They got to the place where they thought about the needs of others more than their own needs. You know what, if I was kicked out of a city when I was a leper during a wartime, and put in a place where I couldn't get any food, I basically put out there to die. I would have, I would have issues with, with the with the people that done that to me. Today, no. 
they love the people around them enough to go back and tell them. Let me encourage you. The gospel is a very, very simple message. It's a message that anybody in this realm can deliver. All we have to do is deliver it and trust God for the results to come from it. This day is a day of good tidings. You know what? The best news anyone will ever have is the news of salvation, that God has paid for man's sin and there's a free gift of salvation just waiting to be received. At no cost, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to give money. You don't have to attend church. You don't have to do anything. All you need to do is believe, accept what Christ done on the cross, ask him for forgiveness, and that's really it. Um, you know, it's a very simple message. Sometimes we overcomplicate it. These four leprous men, the story is great for us. Just like Balancholic has a lot of hungry people, these four leprous men knew they had the information that those hungry people needed. They didn't look around and say, well, maybe God could send somebody else. So what are we? We're only lepers. We're nothing to look at. People won't trust us. People won't uh, believe us. They won't listen to what we say. They didn't say that. They didn't look for somebody else or to pass on the responsibility to anybody else. You know what they said? Today is a day of good tidings. And we, and they pointed the finger at themselves, we, us four, we do not well. Today is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. You know what? When they realized that, they put the food to the side, they put the money to the side, they took a trip. In a sense, you could say a little mission trip down to the city to go and try reach a whole city to see them saved. God had done a work. The city was unaware of the work of God. They had four guys to go and deliver the message. I wonder if there'd be four in here that could come back on Sunday and say, you know what, I invited somebody this week and maybe they're the types of stories you can share around the tea time next week. You know, when the missionary, next missionary comes in, the next missionary story is on the, on the board. Uh, make sure that you put into practice some of the things that these missionaries done, uh, that these lepers done this week. And it's real practical Christian reality. All you have to do is deliver the message. Forget about what the response is. Forget about what they might think. Just deliver the message. And trust God to do what only he can do anyway. It's him to make up that difference. Uh, Brother David, I guess you just might.